and then four times a week during season. There has to be. Uh, in, in the last session, there was a good question about this. Like, well, I have done, a coach say, I have, I have done my own training, mental and all this, and I get bored and I don't do it. And why swimmers? And I say, well, when I work with athletes, for me, it's a commitment. They, they really, I expect them to do it. Doesn't mean that I'm not flexible, but I know that if they do it, they'll have results. So I need to be able to create the motivation, the time, because everybody has their own internal motivation. The internal motivation being the Olympics, being whatever, uh, trials, blah, blah, blah. I need to create the motivation to drive that. Because at the end of the day, it's like going to practice. But in practice, they have their friends, they do different things, they don't know the set that is going to happen. So it's another world. But now, when you have to do mental training, maybe you have to do this process every day. Every day. Now, but if you have the motivation and you know that it's going to work for you, you're going to do it no matter what. If a swimmer cannot do it, I'm not going to get upset. You know, I always try to find the reason why. By finding the reason why, maybe I can find something else that is not working mentally. So it's very exciting. So I'm going to show you now the table. This is a 10-minute toughness mental workout. Again, their videos, this, uh, this gentleman explains that, their books. So there is one book and explains the process. So first step, centering breath. And that's, the, you're focusing there about con, on controlling your biology. So the centering breath is a diaphragm breath. And most of us know what it is. I think everybody. Here the challenge is it has to be 15 seconds breath. So it goes like this. Six seconds. Then you hold it for two. Now, when you're relaxed, even in the beginning, maybe hard because your breathing pattern is not used to that. But when you do get used to, it's okay. What happens, what do you think happens when you go to a, a competition, race? What do you think happens with that second, second breath, 15 second breath, the centering breath? Becomes difficult. So I have athletes, it's like, oh, I can. Well, that means there is a signal that you need to do it five, six, ten times, ten times until you're able to do it 15 seconds. Because if you can do that 15 seconds, that means you, you can control your arousal state. Okay? You can control If you're too hyper and you do the breathing and you do enough times and you're able to do the six to seven, you'll be, you'll be able to control your arousal state. And also, you'll be able to control your heart rate. Something about heart rate that I talk a lot about this because when I learned about this, I was like, wow. Heart rate, it, it, when you go to competition, it has been studied. The heart rate impacts performance. So if your heart rate goes too high, there are different levels, it can go to the level that you're blocked out. You, you, you cannot really perform. That's when you have a panic attack or you have such a high anxiety that really you, you don't have control of your body. And you have different levels, you know, more anxiety. So you have two options to solve this, this, this challenge. One is centering breath techniques to be able to what? To control the arousal state and the heart rate. To be able to see, okay, my heart rate, okay, I'm, I'm getting better. Or the second, and I like the second, I mix both. With the athletes, I mix both. The second is, I ask swimmers, when they go to practice, I say, okay, when you have big sets, key sets that you have to raise, quality sets, what I want you to do is think that you're at the Olympics, think at the, Olymp at the biggest competition. I want you to feel that you're at the pool. I want you to block everything. And I want you to feel, because my goal with them, and I explained that, is I want your heart rate to go up, like you were racing there. So what am I doing with that? I'm training the body and the mind to be okay with the heart rate going up. So when you go to racing, even if it goes up a little bit, you're not losing energy. It's like if you ever had a panic attack, uh, that is not a nice thing to have. One of the things that you need to teach yourself to be, to be able to overcome that is be okay of, uh, um, on, the, on, on losing your breath, on feeling anxiety. So, for example, you can go to the sauna and be in a place and then it's hard for you to breathe. You're teaching your body, but you're relaxed. You're okay with that. You hold it. You're teaching your body that it's going to be okay when that happens. 
okay? Or you you swim, you, you go to the pool and swim and try to breathe every seven or 10. So you get out, out of air, but you're teaching your body that it's gonna be okay. So it's the same. I'm teaching the swimmer that when you go to the big race, you wanna, your heart rate is gonna match whatever you train. Oh, and also, if it's, if it's getting too high, you still can do the centering breath. Again, managing energy, propeller, managing energy. The next one is the performance statement. Again, I'm gonna send you all this uh, if you want. You know, you have the email from before, but I'll put it again. I, I'll send you the presentation. This is also very powerful because it's about performance and you create precise and effective focus. I love that because you work with the athlete. And I wanna tell you something to create, the, the first step is easy. You know, you just learn how to do it, you explain. The second step, the other steps, the three and four, you have to work them out. It's not used, it took me a couple of sessions to develop a performance statement. And then you keep working after the meet until you get this statement that the athlete understands, knows, and feel about the performance they're gonna do. So for example, a strong dive, great under pull out, uh, underwater pull out, gliding, last 25 go, things like that. Those are the, the cues for them in this performance statement to know exactly what they have to do. So when they go to competition, because they have trained that and the mind knows and it's automatic, now they don't have to think. If they see themselves losing focus, they can go get back to focus by repeating the performance statement. Again, you cannot just create a performance statement and just repeat it once and then go to the meet and say, okay, do you know what? I'm just gonna say I'm gonna be okay. No, because your body's not used to that. That's the reason that this is very powerful if you practice every day before training. Once a day, do it once a day. If you have to train, just do it once in the morning or maybe once in the afternoon or maybe alternate. But if you repeat it, eventually it will, you will absorb this performance statement. You will leave it and it will become you. It has been very powerful for, for the swimmers that I work with. The third one is fun and this is, where you see the power of visualization. The personal highlight reel, seeing is believing. This is, a, this is about visualization, this is a visualization part. And based on what Jason Selk mentions uh, and, and the research, one minute of visualization equals to seven minutes of physical practice. Okay, that will be interesting to, to, to check with the, <laughs> to check more, more numbers. But that's what the, the, he, he, he explains in his book. What I've seen is, is that the athletes that they work on this, you see a, a change in confidence and you see that they allow themselves to be more flexible in certain areas. They're not so tight because they understand that they see it, they see the success, they feel it. So they, don't, they, you know, they relax a little more. So you have three 60 second mental uh, video clips. So the first one is about a big success that you have in the past. So you, I help them to develop that. So I help them, okay, we wanna develop the first one. Tell me this big competition or maybe we do a compilation. And this is fun because it's creating your own movie. Think about it. Now the, the athlete is creating his own movie about the past. I had this meet, so I want you to recreate. You have 60 seconds and you wanna do these things in the video. Okay, so I tell them guidelines to develop, but they have to develop. I'm not gonna develop. So I, I help them, they send, it, they send it to me, we review it until we get the video, the powerful 60 seconds, amazing visualization. 60 seconds, not five minutes, not 10 minutes. The next video is about the next big or most important competition. So for example, some people have trials as the past success and they wanna use that. And then, uh, then the next big competition is Olympics or maybe Olympic trials or sectionals. And the third video is about the next competition. So the next competition is a month, Let's develop one for that. So you have three videos. So now you are, you have centered yourself. Okay, you're controlling your arousal state. You're training yourself to control your heart rate. Then you are creating focus, performance focus. I know what I'm gonna be doing. What are the key points in my race? In one statement, what are the key points that I need to focus, that I know I can do to use, create results? Third one, let me see the important races, my successes, so I know that I have that. And then let me see myself being successful using all my performance statement in the future. And let's practice and see in the next competition success. So you see, you're repeating things. 
10 minutes a day. Very good. Number four, identity statement. Now we are up. We have energy. After, after they do the videos, they get pumped. Okay? They're like, wow, wow, wow. So now you're creating a statement for self-image. So self-image is the level of success a person believes he or she is capable, capable of achieving. They have done studies about that, about the way that you think, you know, your self-image. And it's, 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 it's powerful. I never thought about it. Okay, I knew it was important, but the studies show how much impacts performance. So the idea is to, the same as performance statement, you create a statement about you. I am powerful, blah, 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 and bam, 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 I'm going to accomplish this. Okay, so this is a really a work in, pro in process because some athletes, uh, sometimes they don't believe certain things. You have to feel it to believe it. You know, oh, I'm going to be a medalist at the Olympics. Uh, they say it and it's like, oh, no, yeah. no, you have to feel it. You have to believe it. And the last one to close. You see, now by this time, you are like this. I want to go racing. I want to do this. I'm ready, but you are too hype up. So we need to go back to control and be able to manage the energy so we can channel the energy. So the last step is another centering breath. So now you bring down, you know, you control your arousal state, your heart rate, but the, the motivation, the excitement, the focus is there. So imagine doing this every day. You're not doing 5,000 yards, 3,000 yards, 10,000 yards. You're doing 10 minutes of mental training. Plus, you have the tools. I give them tools. What I do with them is, I have this thing about fixed tools, flexible tools, routines, and then I want them to be their own self, their own coach. So that's my goal with them. Very powerful. Well, the last slide, and I guess I placed, I put it twice in two presentations. And I thought I thought everybody was hearing it, and I guess not. So Sergio, did it work last time? When I when I took uh, when I took the audio. Can, the, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, no. Never in any of the in the last one when I took no. the audio. Yeah, I think you you uh, yeah take the take your earphones out and uh, let me see and then yes. and then okay. you see what the, the microphone is you muted or unmuted on the left hand side. Can you see that? Yeah, click on that and see, use the, select the speaker, same as system. Hey, you're muted. Uh, you mute. Uh, Jesus. Mark, nobody can hear you. I am. Hey, hey, Mark. When you share the screen, um, yes, on the sharing option on the bottom of it, so you might have to stop sharing, and then when mm. you share it again, it's on the bottom that says "shared uh, my computer audio." on my shared computer sound. Okay. So in that, I need to change it because now when I go to the mute thing on the top with the menu says microphone or same as system, I have to put same as system. That is, but when you're sharing your screen, yes. you're sharing also your sounds. So on that share screen option, when you're choosing your PowerPoint presentation on the bottom of that window, it says, um, I'm doing that for my classes, share oh. computer sound. I don't know if you get to see it. Okay, well, hold on. Let me. Uh, uh, uh. Speaker, microphone. Well, let, let me let me unshare but because I see all the options and I have all these options here that I can do with. So let me try this. I'm gonna try with the same as system. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yeah? Yep. Okay, let me see if I can. But I uh, here we go. 
Ah, here we go. Let me see if, if it works now. Let me know. Do you hear it? Nope. No, why? Nope. Well, this is, I'm just going to let you know, this is the video from Michael Phelps, I'm here, the Under Armour. Uh, I don't know if everybody has seen, uh, let me see if I can. It's on YouTube. On YouTube, let me, I'll send you the, the I just thought it was a nice touch. So the point hold is on. that, yeah. Oh, we can play it, I can play it, yeah, hold on. Okay, here we go. You can see you can see my screen, is it? But now, yeah. Correct, but you you have to stop sharing your screen and then share it again. Okay, it's like okay. going backwards a little bit, and then when you're gonna share your screen again to all of us. Oh, okay. See, share, share computer sound. I see. That's that's exactly right. Okay, here we go. I got it. Thank you so much. Eh? <laughs> no problem. Oh, okay. okay, let me see now. Do you? Yep. Okay, beautiful. Thank you. Hold on, I'm going to put it in. Here, here we go. Whew. You know, this closing remark is just that it's not just what we do at, at training, practicing is what we do when nobody sees us that is really going to make us there. Because there are many things that we don't see from athletes that they get to the top. They do more than we think, than maybe we see. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for being here. And, and let's, let's talk now. Share your thoughts. Thanks, Mark. Anybody has any questions I want to ask him and then can chat from those points? Just admit yourself and just, just talk. I have a question. Mark? A question... Uh, can you hear directly to you? And so they're more motivated. Can you hear me, Mark? Uh, I think he's, he's frozen somehow. Hello. Hey, Chris. How are you? Uh, Mark, are you there? That was good. I had to listen to this Well, sorry, he's not there. Uh, what was your question, Vilma? Okay. Our self-selecting. So, 
if you have if you work with pros they're going to be more motivated to do what they need to do to get where they need to go and then versus a college kid who may or may not be interested based on where they are in their career you know getting ready to like finish college or you know like who um in my experience have there's some that are willing to do it and the ones that are most willing to do it are the ones who are going to be champions anyway it's like a whole different mindset they're they're kind of into um ones are all natural training selves i mean based on his results if you can motivate how do you motivate say an age group or a high schooler that's not uh into mental training i mean cuz that's like a whole nother l level to me uh to go uh i i don't know if my brother is can you guys hear me uh, somebody got thumbs up Hello? can you hear me okay vilma it was very hard to hear you but um I'm going to answer. Yeah. No, I don't know where my brother is. Maybe there was a tornado or something in Jacksonville and he disappeared. Um, but um, uh, I, think, I think the mental training <laughs> is part of educating your kids at any level. It's not just to swim fast. It's to create, uh, to help a person be better in school, be better. All these tools, if you think about it, if, if, if you don't have any swimmers right now, you can use all these tools for yourself to be a, a, a better person, a better parent, a better uh, anything you know, to have a better daily routine. So you, as a coach or as an educator, need, need to teach them slowly how some of these tools, if they're not motivated to be very good athletes, it's okay. Hopefully they're motivated to be very good students or, or good people. And teach them how visualizing being a good person or visualizing doing certain things is going to help them. And, you know, kids... When they're 10, 11, 12 years old, might hate swimming. And by the time they're 15, 16, they want to be Olympic champions and the other way around. So it's the process of how you uh, utilize different situations and different learning and teaching moments to teach them, you know? So it's not just, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, you right. know, Olympic athletes uh, that they're not motivated to do any of this stuff. You know, you can tell them, but they have so many mental blocks that you cannot get through them, you know? But I think, I think the important thing is at whatever level you, you, you coach, get to that level and try to use them. You know, like one of the things that I was telling in the other talks is that uh, when you start this as a coach, you want to bring the parents in the, with the first session. You know? And maybe once every, every once in a while, bring the parents again. So what you do is show them that there's certain tools that there's going to create this holistic, great person and you're going to have an advantage in life, an advantage in school, and an advantage as, as an athlete. And later on, can be a, an advantage as a parent, an advantage as a lawyer, an advantage as whatever they want to be. You know, and start with the small, small things, the small steps. And then individualize, you know. When we started this peak performance program at Bowles, we had, I had a team at that time, 108 students in my group. So, and normally I would go anywhere between 90 to 108 swimmers training at the same time. So we're not talking about different groups. It's one big, ugly group of people over there. So what I did is like, I, we started with 10 people and we had, uh, you know, and I explained to the parents and I explained to everybody why we start only with 10 people and they had to meet certain conditions like coming to every practice, being committed to swimming, being a good student, and then we pick ten people, and after after that we branch out to other people, you know, and and it worked very well, you know. Mm -hmm. I think I think you have to look at it not just at the at the high performance thing, you know. As a parent, you want to teach your kids those tools. You want to teach your kids how to, in a, in a in a stressful situation, mm -hmm. how to deal with those things, how to spend some time thinking and spend some time, you know, my brother is a, a lot more technical, but it's a very simple stuff in the sense, you, know, you need to understand who you are and you need to live your life the way you want to live it, being a good person and feeling that life is beautiful. It's a huge, beautiful adventure. Mm -hmm. Or my brother is, so, um, 
but did I answer? I think he joined the meeting again. Uh -huh. um, yes, and I mean, like mostly I work with people who are motivated, right? I'm actually a mental performance coach for first and foremost. So I was just kind of picking his brain on how he works with people who are not as motivated to, to do what they um, need to do. I think what he explained before in the, in the last meeting, uh, he told them that he's very strict in a way. He'll be flexible sometimes, but at one point, if they don't want to do it, he'll stop working with them. You know? And he said that, Mark, Vilma, uh, you can ask him. He's, he's Hello, Vilma. I, I, heard, I heard the question. When, when you do coaching, and I learned the lesson early on because as a coach, you want to you wanna help everybody. You know? Our job is to facilitate something. One thing that I learned is that you cannot help everybody. There are people that no matter what they say, the actions or the way they do things doesn't really align with that. So what I learned, and I learned through the process of coaching, they will tell me in the beginning, but I was like, no, I'm sure I can, in the beginning when you start, I can help everybody, no, my friend. So I do a, a selection process. Really, I sit down and see the chemistry. Because if, if you and I, we, we, don't, we don't connect, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it? Because it's going to be like strange. Second, I have these documents, you know, ready for coaching. So they have to check, yes, 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 yes. I have certain things that they have to fill it out. If they tell me that they're not okay with that, then we don't work together. Because at the end, if, you know, at the end you want to be successful and you want to help them. So you create the, the commitment from their part about I'm going to do this and I'm going to do all these things that you're asking me to do. Because I know if they say yes, I can, I can make them accountable for that and say it. Hey. So I don't work with everybody, even though I try to help everybody. If they ask me, hey, can you tell me how to, I'll tell them. But do you know how hard, you, you know, Bilma, how much energy it is into coaching? Yeah. It's, it's too much. People, I don't know if they realize that the mental side, when you need to learn, think, it's like a dance. It's, it's a lot of energy. So when you give energy to somebody who is not ready and it's sad, uh, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Mm -hmm. It's different if you're forced. I'm saying um, you're, I just wanted to, yeah. I wanted to share something with you um, since we're in a swim coaching group. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the technique havening, H-A-V-E-N-I-N-G. And, um, and brain spotting. So those are two techniques everybody should look up because um, a couple of things that I've found with um, some athletes is uh, like I worked with somebody who was on the national team of Russia and I watched her dive and she just couldn't dive. And um, I said, I took a look, I you know did a couple of corrections and I said, uh, yeah, you're, you, you're able to do this. And I said to her, are you afraid? And she goes, yeah, I'm afraid of heights. And so like in the pool, I just did this thing five, 10, 15 minutes later and she was able to dive. So it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, she was like, you know, fell off a chair or something at two years old and the subconscious mind will not mm -hmm. allow you to change the body and within three dives she looked like a real elite diver but prior to that she was just like a, an age grouper all you coaches out there that we can keep saying the same thing over and over and over again about the arm the leg the, the king whatever but if there's a part of their mind and their body that's not in alignment and thinks that if they're protecting themselves from getting hurt in some way, some fashion, then all the coaching that we're going to do with our words will never get into their brains. At elite level of that, it's, it to me, it's like, it's fascinating within like one dive, two dive, three dives. I've done it with a couple of people and it's like, yeah, you're scared of heights. For, and for whatever reason, it's usually like you said, it's like a subconscious mind when they're one through seven. And then it changes. But if we're like a coach and we're just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again, it's not going in, you might want to send them to somebody to go find out what's, what is 
the actual block because no words will change anything if their mind is going to protect them from doing anything that might perceptually hurt them. So there's my well, um, like discussion. That's, well, that's actually first I praise you because uh, you know it's not easy to to change and, and take the time and find solutions. And and I believe one of the things that I learned in the business world when I went to different countries, different organizations, different levels is that. And I learned from myself because it's very stressful. What I was doing is that I, I put I, I put this into my subconscious mind. I say they don't pay me to work; they pay me to try new things, to, to like to learn. So when I did my sessions or when I do anything, I think that way because if not, if you do something stressful like coaching, unless you have two kids, even with two kids, if you have five, six, seven, the ten, twenty, thirty kids, it's not easy to manage that. Even if you have an assistant, so think about it. And I do that with the athletes. Think, you guys think about this. If, they, if you told yourself, they pay me to learn, and, and Sergio says that, you know, my, my swimmers are my lab. You, I learn from that. If you every day were able to observe something yep. and change, yep. that would make a huge difference instead of trying to focus on doing the same thing. It, not, it, will, it will change not just you, but it will change rapidly around you. So that's, that's a mindset of saying, okay, I'm going to, to the pool. I know some people are going to fail. I, it's like business. You go to a business, you know that things are going to be wrong. In an organization, team, team clubs, swim clubs, things are going to be wrong. You cannot change everything. So knowing that, why not to focus on, I'm going to focus on the most important thing that I can, I know I can impact. And if I can change that, it's going to help a lot instead of 20. How do I apply that with the swimmers? With Joseph, I did it when I worked with him. And I did it with, I do it with any swimmer. Uh, think about this. And it happened to me. I was a swimmer. So the coach tells you, I want you to think about your arms. I want you to think slide, your hand, the entrance, whatever it is. Your mind can only hold certain number of things. But if you compare a swimmer from year one to year five, I would like to know if you really did your, uh, I'm going to put a table. I'm going to see the difference. You know, they have different levels. What's really the improvement in certain areas? Because in some areas, improvement is like very little. But I know one of the kids, maybe 13 years old, 14, even 18 years old, if, if, if their kick is, if, if they tell me, hey, my kick, if, I know if I improve my kick or my start, I know I'm going to get better. Do you know what I tell them? Focus on one thing. With a coach, the same. Focus on one thing for one month. Doesn't mean that don't listen to the coach. Of course, you know, a coach, they told me, this guy outside told me, you know, just, I tell them, you do what the coach, but when you do, main sets especially you do some things focus on one thing because if you get that good on that it's like Kelly Dresser when you get good at one thing then you have it with you it's just a question of practicing you already put it you did the connections in your brain you have it inside you know how to do it you can bring it there any moment but if you have all these things at a, a small level you will never get to the high level it's going to take you too long so I will take a swimmer and, or as a coach and I'll be like, okay, as a coach, what can I change every week about me that will help to change the team? What can we change as a team every week or every month or every two months? Make it easy. Every two months. One thing that I know as a team, I can, if you have swimmers, maybe with this kid, what can I change? One thing every month or two months or six months and you see the difference. So... So I believe what you say, you have to try new things. You have to get out of the context that I have to do always the same thing. You have to find your own way. And Sergio explains that very well. So, Can I just have a question? Um, she talked about a technique. Can you spell again the, Wilma, the technique that you talk about? I heard it's heavening, but I'm, I didn't know how to write it. Yeah, it's havening, H-A-V-E-N-I-N-G. It's like you're going into a safe haven. And it's honestly, it's really good for taking anxiety down at the swim meets as well. And uh, I think recently Justin Bieber was using it um, to try to keep his anxiety down from after going to rehab. But he's using it as part of his tools. And the other one, B and spotting, S-P-O-T. ING. And what that does is that it's you're looking at where the trauma happened and you can see it in the eyes. 
And so it's a neurological thing that you just kind of like track and then you just stare at a point for like three to five minutes and you'll see that people begin to calm down because a lot of the stress and trauma that we hold is often in our eyes, in our visual uh, capacity. And then the brain, it triggers something in our brain and then our brain starts going into that fire flight mode and we don't even remember that we did it. So like maybe you um, fell down the stairs or um, you fell off the diving blocks or, or here's a good one. This is, happens a lot is they hit their heads doing backstroke. That's the one that, that is very common in the pool. Um, and then, yeah, so diving and then hitting your head on backstroke because there's not that many injuries in the swimming pool, but those are the two ones that you'll find. Thank you. Very good. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I think Carlos uh, raised his hand. Carlos, you, you had a question? Um, yes, but I think uh, Wilma helped out a lot with um, this brain spotting because I have, um, uh, Mark, you mentioned in your presentation how it's important to start early um, with these new habits and new paths and then the, the blame plasticity. Well, for, currently I have a swimmer who just has great goals in his mind, but unfortunately, um, he's one of those, like you were saying that you can tell him a thousand times you're doing this arm and you can show him with a video and you can just move his arm and this is what you're doing. This is, but he's 16 and 17. So he's already created that, um, habit. So how, based on your experiences, it is, a what things we can do, but according to Vilma, I mean, I have to kind of look now into more in depth what's going on with him um, because I've tried everything from video, slow video, uh, you see this, uh, older people, peer, coaching. I mean, what, what do you think? That's what, that was my question. Well, I think, yeah, as you say, Wilma gave you, there, there may be some tools. My thought process, and also because my engineering background, is always analyzing. So I always go from where I am to how do I get there. So let's say that I have an athlete and you know, you're talking about technique, but let's say that I, this athlete moves this way. I need to know what he feels to create this move. So, you know, because as a coach, if you want him to do something, you need to know exactly how to do it and how he feels more or less. Yes or no? Because if not, you say, just move your arm to the left, but the left, how much to the left? So maybe we don't know exactly the, the centimeters, but maybe by explaining, you know, certain things. Now we need to understand if they understand what I'm explaining or how they process information. Are they visual? Are they more showing? So I think to me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great challenge, this Carlos. It's like saying, okay, now that I know that things get sometimes fixed, what can I do to learn how did he got there? So right. why why you feel it that way? Do you feel... And then find a way, and I tie it to, to the last, uh, I think it was the last, the last conversation we have. It's like, if you want to create a change, align the motivation of the swimmer with the change that you want. Makes sense? Because, for example, maybe the swimmer, I want to make, uh, how, how old you told me it was? 16, 16. Yeah. So maybe the next meet, the big meet, maybe that he can go, that he's close. It's like, hey, we can get there. There are certain things that may, I believe. Maybe the wording. I believe that could help you. Can we talk about it? You know, coaches, we, because we know what helps. We just go, hey, we, you need to do this. If you want to get there, you need to do this. You need, need this. Right. So you're fighting with the subconscious mind, with the filter. He may say yes. It's like going to an organization and everybody's like, your boss says, good job, good job, good job, good job. And one day it's like, oh, I, I just felt something. Or oh, when they slap you, slap you, slap you, eventually you don't feel anything. And like, they slap me harder because – so. This is the beauty of coaching. Seriously. The beauty that you guys have is going every day to the team and saying, okay, let me try this. Because the only thing that can happen is nothing bad. Nothing bad is going to happen, but eventually good things are going to happen because you're going to find new doors. And then once you find them, start to understand it, you're going to be able to create change. So it's, it's just a process. Understanding how somebody thinks, why he's doing that, and then finding your own ways or trying your ways to bring that person to the motion or the behavior that you're looking for. Thank you. You're welcome. I think uh, Gordon, Glasgow, you raise your hand. Too. You want to ask a question? Yeah, hi there. Um, so just, just maybe taking it back a little bit from, uh, from where we got to there, you were talking about um, introducing um, 
the, the process to to athletes and, and how you would do that with the age groupers. Um, in terms of neuroplasticity, is there there a place and time in their development that they're more susceptible um, to taking that on board? Um, and if they are, is it is it better to schedule more of it in at that time? That's a great question. I believe we, we had similar question before. If we look at the, what we used to talk about, the younger, the easier. I still remember things when I was young. I remember my, my coach that I had, Jordi Murillo at that time. Uh, he's like, okay, find this swimmer that you love. And that time was Matt Biondi. It's like, find this swimmer and imagine that you're him. Blah, 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 you know what I mean? And I could see it. And I still remember that. And I started want to feel it that way. So I think when you're younger, remember the subconscious mind, you still be able to change things. Now, when you get like a, you can have swimmers 24, unless they're very conscious, 24, 25 or 20, unless they're very conscious and they're willing, because knowing that when I get there, it gets harder because they already have their, their analytical mind. But when you, they're younger, if you understand the language that they talk and you can create exercises or ways to, to do things, even in the sets, even in the sets, you don't have to get them out of the water you must be able to create that flexibility. For example, what I did when I was, when I was at Vols, I, I like to try things. So I knew emotions were very powerful. So I will tell the kids, okay, let's go to the pool. And now before, I want you to get in the water, relax. And before you swim 25 with the, with the flip turn, I want you to think about something bad, something that made you very sad. I'm saying that's cruel to do, no? But I say, think about something that makes you very sad. So you could see the guys just in the pool, all everything quiet. And suddenly, okay, I've switched the 25. Okay, pam, 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 they do the 25 with the turn. Then they come back, okay, now, and I, and I ask him, how did you feel? Well, I felt like this, that, okay, now I want you to relax and I want you to feel about something, I want you to think about something that you love. I want you to really feel it. And then do the 25 with the flip turn. And, and, and as you mentioned before in, in, in the exercises that he does when they go underwater, you could see how the swimmers, the body, the body position was different. You could see how they were feeling it. The energy was different, even the kicking. So those are type of things that you can include. I'm not saying that specifically, but you can play with things that you learn and say, okay, if I know the brain is plastic and I know that if I give them new experiences, something exciting during the set with a message, Maybe they don't even know the message. They will get the message without knowing it. Make sense? Can I, yeah. Can I follow that up then? Is, uh, and, and I think what you said there probably leads into it. That, that ability to create an emotion and therefore excite the, the neural pathways, there, there seems to be quite a trend towards um, excitation, um, you know, the, the halo device, etc., cetera, um, coming into sports. Is that something that you would use as well um, in terms of creating um, creating those pathways potentially without without the the conversations etc. If, if you're able to train those, well, I, I don't, I don't, I never, I haven't used you know what you mentioned. Yeah. I use uh, what I use to get into the athletes without having to be there because some of these athletes that I'm coaching, I never met before in in physically. Yeah. Seriously, it's just crazy. We just create the connection. If I have a chance, I go to the meet and you know, and, 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 and watch them stream. But what I give them is recordings, uh, videos, things like that, that they, they add with whatever they're doing during the day. So for example, you will be amazed. I'm just amazed that still like high-class swimmers, they don't know what is deep muscle relaxation. You know, deep muscle relaxation. So I have somebody who develops this uh, this English recording in English because my voice in English, you know, in Spanish I can do it, but in English I don't know if I will sound so that they develop these things. They even they can develop a, a script. So you develop a script for the swimmer or something based on what they want to achieve and the words. So when they relax, you start you start playing with their plasticity and the subconscious messages. Okay, so in practice. I don't know. In practice, now they have these things that, you know, I don't even know if, because I don't know if the kids wear those things with music. I don't think they probably allow them, but there has to be something that we can do as coaches that you send a message, you know, repetition of messages using words. 
that they're going into the mind. The sub- their, their words, they go into the subconscious very easily. Their, you know, their words uh, that you can use and start changing your language and then have sets. You set during the week where you say, okay, mentally you say, okay, I want to improve their focus. So how do I create a set? And I've been talking about focus and about what is it, what, that besides the technique and whatever they're doing, I want you to think about this. I want you to get excited about that. So this, this, this means that you need to do some research, you know, the research on finding different ways, ways, uh, physical ways to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Uh, um, hey, uh, Gordon, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. some simple stuff that I started to do 25 years ago, because I think uh, there's a lot of books and there's a lot of things and I, and I agree with Wilma and I agree with Mark and we're not experts, but one of the things that we really have is our feelings and who we are, you know, and how many times you're at a pool and you with another fellow coach is like, wow, look at that kid. He's so talented. And you just look at that kid and you see him go through the water in a way that's like the way he's moving, you know, he or she. I remember when I first started coaching, I think it was my first year of coaching. I had two girls in my team when I was at Tucson in Tucson coaching and both of them had asthma and both of them would induce themselves to situations, the stressful situations where we had to call the paramedics at competitions, even at practice, you know, and I, I used to it, you know, I, I was, I had a good relationship with them and I tried to calm them down. And one day, uh, um, one of the coaches, a coach at the university walked by through the practice and said, Hey, Sergio, these girls, they might die one day in the pool. You need to be very careful. So that made me think. And so I created this, this uh, exercise. And I don't know if you, when you were at, uh, when, when you watch practice in Singapore with us, maybe you saw it, but it's called, it's a 425 meditation. And it's a tool that I've been using for 25 years. And what we do, and the, the reason for this was because I was asthmatic when I was a kid. I was, up until I was 12 years old, I had very, very bad asthma. And the asthma that I had, the doctors in the 70s, they were giving me shots at one point almost daily, you know, some sort of mental, I don't remember what it was, but it was horrible, you know. And uh, the, the doctor told my mom that uh, it was good for me to swim, but at that point, that my asthma got so bad that I might have to stop swimming. I was a very bad swimmer, and my coach, in order uh, to reward me, was going to take me to a meet in Switzerland, uh, uh, me and another girl, and uh, international meet. I, I, I didn't even go to regional, big regional meets. I was so excited, you know, that, uh, you know, my mom bought me, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a dad and my mom, we didn't have money. So my mom bought me these snow boots and I was going to go to Switzerland. I was going to be an international swimmer, blah, 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 blah. So when the doctor said that, and I was in the office, when we came out, I told my mom, I said, mom, you never take me to this doctor again. And I will never have, I will never have asthma again. And from that day on, I never had asthma. Now, my asthma was more of a mental block than, uh, you know, was a stressful situation. And my stress situation was that I didn't have a father. So not having a father put me in a situation that, that, you know, I, ha- I had many issues, you know, and one of them was asthma. And in the moment, you know, my father left us when I was three years old. You know, in the moment that they, 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 they were going to take away something so powerful from me, subconsciously, I said, no way, you know, and my asthma disappeared. All right, so I thought about that. So I created this, this thing uh, where you go with these girls. I, I got them like maybe half hour or 20 minutes before practice. And uh, uh, in, in Tucson, we had a, a 50 minute pool and then we have a diving well. So I would get them in the diving well. And I told them, you go underwater for 15 seconds right? and you close your eyes. You, you know, you hold, you hold the ladder or if there was a lane line, you hold the lane line and you have to be totally submerged. And when you're down there, do not think of anything. Just listen, close your eyes. Right? You come out. You take three or four breaths and you breathe through your diaphragm like the babies do. So that relaxes you instead of like breathing through your chest, you know. 
and then three, four, five reps like that, and then you go down again for 15 more seconds, 10, 15 seconds, and you do that four or five rounds. Huh? After each, after you've done four or five rounds of being underwater for 10, 15 seconds, coming out, taking three or four breaths, you know, you, you, you come up on the fourth or fifth round, take three or four breaths, and then you push off the wall and you swim. You swim without thinking about your technique, without thinking about anything. You just induce yourself to whatever sensation you had in the water. And normally, at the beginning, those girls that were so stressed out, they couldn't feel anything. They thought that I was crazy. But if you have spent any time, any one of you have spent any time in a pool, underwater, or in the ocean, we feel calm and we feel relaxed. And there's a subtle silence with the, the water moving and the water, the gather going in the water or whatever it is, that it really puts you in a very good situation. So, so they, we did this, we did this, they got better and better. And my job was going to be that every time that we did a stressful, a, a stressful set, I had to stop them. I had to recognize that and tell them, hey, remember what we did in the diving room. Induce yourself to that stage. Breathe three or four times, breathe three or four times, and you swim without worrying about the times you have to accomplish, without worrying about anything. You swim to the set, but just induce yourself to that peaceful state of mind. So everything can come out without forcing. After two or three months, maybe less than three months, those girls were not, they still had asthma, right? because I couldn't tell them that maybe part of it was a psychological block. But they were not inducing themselves. They were not using the, the how do you call it? Inhaler. Yeah, inhaler that, that much. And, uh, and two of them, the two girls, the two cases, one used to be a gymnast. There was a perfectionist, OCD, and had an injury and came back, started swimming, and in one year she made junior nationals. And she wanted to be the best in the world. And, but she was, she, everything had to be perfect. And she had all these issues. So we taught, her, we taught her how to understand that that couldn't be that way. You know? And the other one, she had a mother that she was crazy. The mom was crazy. It was a control freak. Like her mom had the time they would take from the house to the pool with stop signs and this and traffic lights, like time. So I would say, you can only leave if practice was at 3, you're going to leave home at uh, 2.45, and you're going to get to the pool by 2.50, and you have three and a half minutes to change. You know, for her to go to the state meet, or whatever meet we went, I had to go and interview her, the mom. She asked me for an interview. I had to go to, she was a librarian. I had to go to her office and sit down, and she was asking me all these questions, and it was crazy. The daughter, a brilliant kid. Ended up going from Tucson, went to the furthest place in the country that she could be to go to college and disappear. You know? so, so the idea, I mean, what I'm telling you all this is that the most important thing is teach them how to understand and feel what they do. And then recognize us in practice the different moments where you can stop them and help them teach them how to induce themselves to the, those moments. You know? How many times you as an athlete or, you know, now working or, but as a swimmer, you had a, you had a great practice and your coach never, ever told you anything. And you were going home or you were taking a shower feeling that you were the most powerful person in the world. You had that feeling. So you have to recognize those moments with your athletes. When they're struggling, in, make them in, teach them how to induce themselves to a stage of peace. I don't know if I, it makes sense, but it's a more simplified way of, of starting to, to teach your kids. Yeah, it's really useful. Thanks. Hossam, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, at first, thank you so much for the uh, invitation to this uh, interview. I want to talk about a story happened to me. Uh, I was ha I was has a girl. Uh, she was too much young. Uh, she started to sw swim with me when she was three years old. Uh, in Egypt, we starting our official competitions at eleven years old, mm -hmm. and uh, I was tar targeting uh, two or three uh, new record for Egypt for fifty meter fly, two hundred IM, and fifty meter back. 
uh, I talk here before the main competition two or three weeks and I uh, me and her watching the girl that she was holding the record for 200 IM she was swimming that race 200 IM after that girl finished the 200 the holder girl for the record uh, my girl go and say hi I am Noor I will break your record. She was too much, too, too much have self-confidence. And we going in this way for two or three competitions. After that, I started to uh, make her to do some mental training before training and before competition. And once uh, for first time she doing this in the competition, after she got, after she go back from the race, she told me, I was too much tired. I feel before the race that I was too much tired. So the question is, uh, this was wrong. For, uh, it, it, this was a mistake from me, or there is something wrong I did in the preparation for mental training before the competition. And thank you. Okay, thank you for sharing. Uh, Hossam, isn't it? Hossam, that's the name? Uh, yes, yes, Hossam. Now, Hossam, the, the, to say if it's right or wrong, uh, it will be, I don't think, uh, I, nobody, I can say unless, I'm saying there is no right or wrong, it's just trying. Now, it will be interesting to understand the process. How long it took, what it was said to her, how it was processed, what it was expected from her. Because, there are some kids that, depending how you tell them, they don't want to do mental training. It has to be something, it's like when we talk about coaching, it has to be something that they decide that they want to do. If you tell somebody, you need to do something, it's like a coach when you say, hey, you need to do this set in this way and you want to do it this way. Well, some, some swimmers know that they need to do it. But some swimmers, they don't like certain things, even though they do it. So being so young, there could be many factors that we don't know that didn't allow the mental training to translate into performance. You know, you, you, for us to be able to say, okay, maybe we could have done this different. You, we should be able to know and analyze what, what, was, what, ha, what was done and then understand how the girl thought about it and what did she really do. Because somebody can tell you, I was doing this and then they were not doing nothing. Make sense? Because mental, mental training is not only, you cannot watch somebody just do the mental training. I have athletes that I have to trust every week that they do something. So I, I developed this form in, in Google, do, uh, Google Docs that they fill out every day. I want to know what they do for the week, what type of uh, tools they have used. Because I have some things that are fixed, some things are flexible. You can use it in the moment depending on what's going on. So it's very, it's very hard to tell you if it was right or wrong. And really, there is no wrong because you don't, you don't do bad things with the mental training. Make sense? You're not trying to do something bad. It's just that maybe was the, maybe you didn't have enough time to really develop whatever you want in the mental, mental training. You cannot develop something in, in two days unless the swimmer is there, understands one technique, tries it, is able to go to the meet, and, and, and not that many swimmers can do. I have some swimmers that with nothing, they will create changes. Maybe because they were not really swimming at the performance level they could do. Makes sense. The, the gap was too big. So once they focus, boom, next. But you never know. In two weeks, it's very hard to change. In three weeks, I have swimmers, uh, this uh, swimmer that I'm working at high level, I mean, working six, seven months. And some swimmers think that in three months it's going to be okay. And I'm like, I don't know. Because all depends on what they do. Makes sense? You cannot control what they do when they go home. You don't, you don't know many other things. So that's a good question. I think that it would be good for you to sit down and analyze what you did from, a, you know, what worked and what not. If you don't know what worked or not, you cannot really evaluate the process. So to know what worked or not, you need to ask the athlete. Make sense? And then see the results based on what they tell you and what they did. If not, it's very subjective. Thank you, but that's a good question. How do you evaluate? The mental training, that's a good point. Because it seems subjective, isn't it? Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome.
Anybody else? You guys have any thoughts? I know that some of you have seen different things. Have you tried things? Have you had athletes that they've gone to mental training didn't work or experiences or yourself? Can you share? We're mentally tired, isn't it? 